Testament is seen in the book of Psalms. Been a, been a long time since I preached or taught anything from Psalms. And uh, I always say the same thing before I do. I kind of feel like I cheat uh, when, I, when I preach or teach from Psalms. It's easy to read through Psalms and praise God. It's very, very easy to do, uh, whether you're reading Psalms 1 or Psalms 150 or anything in between those, uh, those two. It's very easy to praise God. Uh, reading through the Psalms will be in Psalms 124 this evening. It's a very short psalm, and that being said, we'll uh, say the dreaded word, but I want to hear a preacher say, I don't expect to be before you too long. So, uh, it, it could happen, it could not happen, but I really don't, don't expect that. This psalm is uh, uh, one of several, beginning about Psalm 120, going on through about Psalm 134, called the Psalms of Degrees. Psalms of Degrees, uh, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some things surrounding that as far as why they're called that. Uh, the Songs of Degrees are thought to have uh, began as pilgrimage songs for the Jewish people when they would go to Jerusalem for the, for the different feasts, and uh, uh, in particular for, for the Passover feast. Uh, then later on, it is said, and it's all as far as tradition goes, that these became songs that were sung as people were going up to the temple uh, for, the, for worship in the temple, for temple worship. And each time they would take a step up on the, uh, the uh, up toward the temple, they would sing a different line of the psalm, psalm or a different stanza of the psalm. And that, therefore, in some of the other English translations that we have, it's called, uh, instead of the psalm, psalms of degrees, we call the psalms of ascents, because you're ascending the stairs, or you're ascending your way up to Jerusalem. And folks, it didn't matter which side of Jerusalem you were on, uh, uh, every time you read about somebody going to Jerusalem in the Bible, or I shouldn't say every time, most times they say I'm going up to Jerusalem. Even people that were on the northern side of, uh, of Jerusalem would say I'm going up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem sat up on a hill and, uh, and it was the highest place uh, at, uh, that those people knew. And it, it sat in that kind of place. So uh, when they would say, I'm going up to Jerusalem, they were talking about, I'm going up to a hill. But when I said the Psalms of Degrees, uh, or the Psalms of Ascents, uh, they're, they're thought to have begun as pilgrimage songs and turned into temple worship songs. And uh, this, this is one of those songs. And this says, uh, in the uh, little subliner here, it says it's a Song of Degrees of David. Uh, now, there's some people out there that say this is a Psalm of Degrees, Psalm 124, of when the, when the Jews were in Babylonian captivity. Well, folks, David couldn't have wrote that if that was the case. That was, that was long, long after uh, David's reign as king. But it does say that it's a Psalm of David. Now, could David have written this and they have sung this psalm during the captivity? Absolutely. And I wouldn't have blamed them if they would. But nevertheless, we'll begin at Psalm number uh, 124 and verse 1. There's only eight verses in this psalm. It says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. 
then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. That the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that brings us to the end of the psalm. Uh, if we go back to verse 1, actually verses 1 and 2, it says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then uh, they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. So here we have uh, really three different descriptions of things that had come against the, the Israelite people, things that had come against uh, the Jewish people. Uh, this, uh, again, was a song of degrees written by uh, David, but David in his lifetime had seen a lot of different things. He had seen things uh, come against him and his life and his walk with God as an individual. He had seen things that had come against the Jewish nation as a, uh, as a nation or as a group of people, and he had heard of the stories that we have all over the Old Testament of, uh, of the people coming against the Jewish people, the people that God had chosen, the elect of God in the Old Testament. Uh, he had known all these stories, and David here is writing about some of these things that happened. He said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, uh, now may Israel say, now may Israel say, saying, if it had not been the Lord, talking about something that had happened in the past tense, but he says, now may Israel say, and folks, we can say the same thing as New Testament Christians, that if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, that uh, many calamities may have come our way. Many things could have happened unto us. I'm not just talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about physical things, emotional things, mental things, any kind of negativity that you can think of that, that, that could have or has come in your life. Hey, regardless of that, uh, if it has or has not come, the Lord is on your side if you are saved and a born-again child of God. And I'd like to encourage you tonight to keep this in mind that no matter what ailments come your way, no matter what trials or what temptations come your way, no matter what persecution may come to abide at your residence or knock on your front door, whatever the case is, the Lord is on your side. If you are indeed a born again child of God, we have nothing to fear because the Lord is on our side. The Bible said Jesus Christ said himself to fear not man that has the power to destroy the body, but to fear God who has power to destroy both body and soul in hell. We have no reason to fear man. We have no reason to fear whatever it is, whatever entrapments that they have, whatever schemes that they might throw our way. We have no reason to fear these things. I'm not saying that Almighty God will always protect us from the physical things. Every one of us get sick. Every one of us suffer injury. Every one of us have had these types of things happen to us. But folks on the spiritual side, praise God, the Lord is on my side. The Lord will protect me. This 
doesn't mean that we don't need to keep our radars open. This doesn't mean that we don't need to keep our watch. It doesn't mean that we don't have to be on guard. It simply means that the Lord is on our side. So come what may, whether it be Satan, whether it be demons, whether it be the principalities of the air, whatever it is that comes our way, the Lord is on our side. And we have no reason to fear what man can do to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now may the church say the Lord is on our side. Yes. May the church say this with Israel. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then they had swallowed us up quick. This doesn't mean swallowed us up fast. This means swallowing us up alive when we read it uh, here in the Bible. It says, then if the Lord had not been on our side when these men had risen up against the Israelites, then they had swallowed us up quick. They had swallowed us up alive. Hey, folks, the Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion. He is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may swallow up quick, seeking whom he may destroy, seeking whom he may drag away from the thing of God, drag away from the children of God, or drag the children of God away from Almighty God. Hey, folks, if the Lord is on your side, you rest in the fact that Almighty God has got your back. It gives me great comfort and it gives me great peace to lay down my head at night and to wake up every morning knowing that whatever comes my way, the Lord is on my side. Hallelujah. No matter who comes my way, no matter what kind of insults they might throw at us, no matter how they might attack, the Lord is on my side. The Lord Amen. is on our side, being being his children. Folks, think of it. Think about this. Those of you that have children, how would you act if someone come against one of those children? Would you not act appropriately? Would you not act defensively if someone come near your children to do them harm? Our Heavenly Father is the exact same way. When someone or something comes their way to do harm, our Heavenly Father is right there at our side and He is evermore at our side. But praise God, when God say me, I am evermore at His side. God, I am with God and He is with me. He abides within me. I abide within Him. Jesus Christ is on the inside and I am in him. Hallelujah. I have nothing to fear because the Lord is with me. Amen. This is a reminder I think that the church needs sometimes. Then they swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. When their wrath was kindled against us. Folks, the entire world, the entire uh, 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 world, those that are out there unsaved is full of people that hate God. Right. And they not only hate God, they hate the people of God. Right. They hate the things of God. They hate the word of God. I know this, folks. I was once upon a time one of those people. I hated God. I hated everything to do with God. I hated the church. I hated hymns. I hated gospel music. I hated the Bible. I hated it all. But God saved my soul. And ever since then, praise God, the Lord has been by my side. The Lord Amen. has been right there with me. But this world, it has its wrath kindled against the children of God. Maybe you've experienced that yourself when witnessing about Christ, when testifying about the goodness of God. Maybe somebody has berated you. Maybe someone has 
belittled you. Maybe someone has outright cursed you. Or whatever the case is. And folks, the, the hatred of the world and the anger of the world is kindled against the, the, uh, the people and the children of God. But you rest in the fact that the Lord is Amen. by your side. You don't worry about what they say about you. You don't worry about what they think about you. You are a born again child of the God of this very universe. And there is no reason that we should worry about anything the world has to say about us. Do I want them to speak kindly? Of course I do. I'd be a liar if I told you I didn't. Do I want them to be nice? Absolutely. But where are they going to be? A lot of them won't be. A lot of them won't be. Most of y'all know, all of y'all know, I guess. Bernie and I go out, we go door knocking, I patting ourselves. Uh, me or Bernie are one on the back saying that. We run into some nice people that reject the gospel. We run into some nice people that very cordially reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we run into some other people that not so cordially, not so nicely, not so mannerly reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these are the people I'm talking about. Their anger is kindled. They hate God. And that's why they hate the gospel. They hate the good news. They hate the fact that a man came and suffered and bled and died for them on a cross. They hate that God has a plan of salvation in place. And they hate that people are showing up on their doorsteps or meeting them out on the street corners or on the sidewalks or wherever the case is. They hate the fact that people are out there proclaiming this God. And most of them, it's because that something has happened within their own lives that they have blamed God for and they hate God for it and they're mad at God and the best way they feel like they can get back at God is to turn the rest of the world against God. Right. That's most cases in, in, in uh, circumstances like that. But the anger of the world is kindled against us folks. And they're rapidly kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Now everything that we're reading here folks, you remember how this began. I began if had not the Lord or if had not been if it had not been the Lord who was on our side and all these things that we're reading here these things would have happened had not the Lord been on our side now listen mm. I understand that Israel suffered a lot Israel suffered a lot I mean from from the very get-go Satan and his minions have tried to stamp out Israel. They've tried to stamp out the Jews. And folks, ever since the birth of the church, they've tried to stamp out the church as well. They've tried to stamp out the plan of God. But you go uh, plumb back into, uh, 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 into the garden. You go to, uh, to Adam and Eve's firstborn. you got to go to Cain and Abel. Hey, that was an attempt to snuff out the plan of God right. when Cain killed Abel. But praise God, God knew that was coming. So there was a boy named Seth that was was born and you continue on go on to the ark hey the, the, the man uh, the man that God had created had so upset God and so so disgusted God that it repented God that he had even made mankind but praise God in his mercy and in his long suffering God saved eight people alive Amen. on that ark you continue praise on God. throughout the history of the Israelites you continue on with Abraham God told Abraham 
Abraham. He said, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore. But your seed is going to go into captivity down in Egypt for just a little while. He gave Abraham the warning that this was going to happen, but that was all part of God's plan. For the, the plan was never about to fall apart. The plan was never about right. to be destroyed. God knew what he was doing. God knew how to do it. God knew when to do it and where to do it. And praise God, it's no different for the New Testament church. God knows what he's doing with your life. If yes, you feel sir. like you're suffering too much, hey, God's got a wonderful plan to do with that suffering. Praise God while you suffer. Praise God while you're suffering through whatever ailments and whatever afflictions it is. Praise God through the whole thing for he will use it for his glory. Amen. Praise God. Now, does that include the times that we make stupid mistakes and put ourselves in those situations? God can get glory out of that too. God can absolutely get glory out of that. But don't go blaming God for things that you've done yourself. Don't go blaming God for going places that you shouldn't go, for doing things you shouldn't do. Amen. Saying things that you shouldn't say that you know better. Don't go blaming God for that. Now, folks, it's just like Joseph over in the book of Genesis. My goodness, you think about that man. You think about how his brothers, his brothers conspired to kill him. His brothers threw him down into a pit, and instead of killing him, they said, we'll just sell him off into slavery. And so they did that. And when he was sold into slavery, he went down into Egypt to a man named Potiphar, Potiphar's house. And he got down there, he was made a slave in that man's house. And then he was accused uh, of raping Potiphar's wife. He was falsely accused of these things. He got put into prison. Then you look at everything that Joseph suffered through. You look at all the false accusations that came his way. But you also look at the fact that just a little bit later on in Genesis, there, just, just a chapter or two after he comes up out of the dungeon, and just a, just a little while later, hey, he is made second in command, not just of Egypt, but of planet Earth. Egypt was the most powerful nation at that point in history, and he was made second in command of it all. The only person that had more authority than he did was Pharaoh himself. And even Pharaoh said, nothing's going to get passed, nothing's going to be done without the okay of this man, Joseph. God will use your suffering for his glory. And sometimes God will put you in those situations for his glory. Don't get mad at him for it. God will get glory however God's going to get glory. And you and I Amen. have no, no right to question how he does that. Amen. Or what means he takes to do that. Or to what extremes that you and I might feel that he's going through to get his glory. God got glory when he saved your soul. God got glory, and that's the whole reason that God saved your soul, was to get glory for himself, that you might live a life that brings glory unto God and brings glory under the name Jesus Christ, that you might live a life that's holy and righteous amongst others, that you might be salt and light out here in this world that hates God, that they might see just a glimpse of the God that saved your soul. They might get just a little bit of a reflection of the God that redeemed you and reconciled you back to himself. Bring glory to God with your life, regardless of what you're suffering through, regardless of what you're going through, bring glory unto God. Amen. It's our job as His children, is it not? Glorify God. Too many people think it's my job to go out and save people. We can't save people. It's our job to tell the world about Christ. 
Right. It's our job to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our job to give testimony to the goodness of God. But it's God's job to do the saving. It's Amen. God's job to do the convicting. It's God's job to do the saving. And it's God's job to keep them safe. You and I have no part in that. All we can do is testify. I once was lost, but praise God, now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. This is, this is uh, again, David here writing. And uh, pay attention, he's talking about uh, Israel as a plural. He's talking about the waters come over top of them, uh, come over their soul or our soul, as he puts it. Talking about the entire nation. Hey, folks, as I said just a little while ago, you fast forward to the New Testament church. It's no different for us. We've got the world coming at us with all uh, from all angles. The world comes at us with all kinds of things. The, the worldliness has infiltrated the church. False teaching has infiltrated the church. Unbelief has infiltrated, infiltrated the church. Disbelief has infiltrated the church. And there is a difference between unbelief and disbelief. But folks, all of these things are a hindrance to the church, to the bride of Christ. All of these things. I'm not saying that they pull us, uh, that they pull us away from salvation. I'm not saying that God kicks us all to the curb. What I'm saying is all of these things can be a hindrance in your relationship with Almighty God when the church allows false teaching in, when the church allows things in that they know shouldn't be, when it allows a soft gospel, when it allows a soft crucifixion, when it allows the things of the world in, folks, these things can hinder our relationship with God. There is nothing soft about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a sinner and Almighty God is a Savior. And there is nothing that is easy about the crucifixion that took place of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Don't you let anyone convince you to take the blood out of the gospel. Don't you let them convince you to take grace out of the gospel and replace it with works. The gospel is what the gospel is. It is exactly how God intended it to be. But the world will come in, and worldliness will come in, and unbelief and false teaching will come in, and they'll try and convince you other, uh, otherwise. And this will do exactly what we're reading here. The waters will come in, and they'll swallow up. They'll come in like a flood. This isn't talking about a flood. You read this in the original Hebrew that it was written in. It's not talking about a gradual flood that gradually rises. Folks, we can see that coming. This is talking about a torrent coming down a mountainside. This is talking about something that is sudden, something that comes quickly, something that comes with no warning, and, and, and with it, it drives everything with it, everything that's in its path, whether it be homes, whether it be families, uh, whether it be properties, anything else that you can think of, this torrent comes down a mountainside or a hillside, and it sweeps away everything in its path. And here, David the psalmist says that uh, the stream had gone over our soul if the Lord had not been on their side. This is what they would have suffered. Yes, the Israelites suffered. Yes, the church suffers somewhat. Yes, we have enemies. Yes, the Israelites had enemies. But the Lord was on their side. He was on the Jews' side. And folks, I can assure you, he is on his bride's side. Amen. Almighty God, Jesus Christ himself, 
will take the side of his bride every time. We have nothing to fear no matter what torrential floods come our way, no matter what rain comes our way. As I said before, hey folks, the, the demons and Satan himself have tried to snuff out the church. They've tried, they've tried to hinder the church. They've tried to, they've tried to kill off the church to stamp it out. But folks, it will never be done. This is a plan that Almighty God has set forth from the foundation of the world and it will not be detoured by Satan. One hour to the plan of God will go forth. The church is seen at the end of the book, at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. The church is seen singing, singing praises unto God and worshiping God. The, the church is seen doing these things. This tells me that Satan's attempt and Satan's schemes will never uh, take full effect. Uh, no matter what he tries to do with the church, the church will prevail because God has ordained that the church will prevail. Do not fear what will happen to the church, what will happen to the bride of Christ. God has the bride of Christ under his wing. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We see several examples in the scripture, though. Kind of think of it. Think about, and I preached about it not too awful long ago. Think about those disciples out there on the lake. And Jesus there on the boat with them. Folks, essentially at that time, that was the church. Jesus Christ and the 12, 12 apostles. Right. There with him on that boat. And what happened? The storm came up, tossed the boat all over. You think. One, one wave is all it would have took. One, one rock wave to overturn that boat. And every one of them go sinking to the bottom. You say, well, that wouldn't have happened to Jesus. Jesus wouldn't allow that to happen to his apostles. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Amen. That's exactly what I'm saying. Amen. Could have just took the right wave, the right height, the right, uh, the, the right amount of force, and the right spot on that boat. But no, God had plans. God had plans. Jesus was on that boat. And essentially what made up the church at that time was on that boat. God's not going to let anything happen. You look at the first three centuries of the church, the first really three or four centuries of the church, you read back through church history, you see how much persecution the church was going through. And some of it was by, by people that were professing Christ. Some, uh, some of the worst persecution came from other people that were professing Christ as their Savior. You look at the, the, the martyrdom that happened to people. You look at uh, people being killed, people being jailed. You look in our own Bibles here in the book of Acts. You look at, uh, you look at uh, Saul and how, how he was consenting to the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Uh, you look how people hated the church then, and you look how people hate the church now. Don't tell me that Satan has quit trying to snuff the church he's still trying but praise God I've said it once and I'll say it again his plans and his schemes will not prevail against the plan of almighty God we are we are here folks and there is nothing that no power that Satan has and no demon that knows that hell is going to be home one day can do anything about it we are God's God is ours hallelujah and we are going to make it home one day by his grace Amen. no fear no fear don't fear these floods. Don't fear the enemy. Don't fear the people when they rise up against you. And the proud waters, waters have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Has not handed us over into the teeth of the enemy. I've already said it once. The Bible talks about Satan, the devil, 
walking to and fro, seeking as, as, as a lion. Not he is a lion, as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. God has not handed us over to that. He hasn't handed us over to any of our enemies. And God will not do that to his people. Now, once again, I've already said it. Does God save us from all the physical elements? Absolutely not. I've got them in my life. Everybody in here has, has a, a physical affliction of some kind that, that, that ravages your body once in a while or every day or every week. Folks, think about the spiritual side of this, though. You think about the promises in Scripture. You think about how we're going to a land one day where we're not going to have to worry about that. You think about how I'm going to go somewhere one day where I'm not going to need these glasses. I'm not going to need this pump on my side. I'm not going to need to pop pills every night before I go to bed. You think about everything that you suffer through, everything, every type of pain that you have, every time you get the sniffles, every time your eyes water this time of year or in the fall. You think about everything that you suffer with. You think about how your lungs burn sometimes. You think about your difficulty breathing or your difficulty walking or your difficulty with pain, whatever the case is. One of these days, praise God, we are promised per the scriptures of a God that cannot lie, that we are going to a land where there will be no more sickness, there will be no more heartache and there will be no more death in that land and the reason that there are those things will not be present is because praise God there will be no sin in that land, there will be no sin in that city, there will be no Satan, there will be no evil, there will be no demons no bad thoughts, nothing along those lines that's where I'm going that's what I have to look forward to but folks, if the Lord not been with me. I have no hope of that land. Mm. If the Lord has not, uh, not been with you, you would have no hope of that land. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowling. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Fowler, <laughs> many, many times in Scripture, fowler is a wonderful picture of Satan, or of evil, or of demons. And of course the snare is a picture of the traps that are set for uh, for us, really for anybody to go into. Why, why would a bird fall into a snare though? Folks, there's all kinds of reasons, but I promise you the fowler knows the type of bird that he's going for, and he knows how to snare that bird. Demons will not tempt me with something that's not tempting to me. I've never been a druggie. They don't tempt me with drugs. But they know what I've been into in my past. And they know, they know what tripped my trigger, so to speak, back in my days before God. And that's what I'm tempted with. But the Lord is by my side. And with the Lord by my side, hey, folks, it says right here, we just read it, that our soul is escaped as a bird of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Not only did the Lord come over, and he released me from the snare, the Lord came over, and he picked up that snare, whatever it was, whether it was a net, or whether it was a shell, or whether it was some kind of box that they had, whatever the case was, the Lord picked it up. But not only did he do that, he has broken the very snare that entrapped me. He has broken 
broken what held me under. He has broken that which oppressed me. Hey, rest assured, my friend. Rest assured, dear Christians, that when God saves, He saves to the uttermost. And when He has released you from the snare, the snare has been broken. Hallelujah. Amen. The snare is broken. And we are escaped. Our soul is escaped as a bird. Think about that bird. It's trapped. Most times it was a net. Most times that they would use back in the Bible days. That bird didn't know any better. Sometimes it was fear that would drive that bird into the snare. Sometimes it was hunger that would drive that bird into the snare. Sometimes it was just ignorance. Mm -hmm. But either way, it didn't, it didn't matter what drove the bird in there. The fowler knew what he was doing. But God knew, knew what he was doing too. Some of us, it was ignorance when we were lost. Some of us, we knew exactly what we were doing. Some of us, it was just enmity against God in our lives. Enmity against the church, as we've already said. Enmity against everything in the world that was good. Because something had offended us somewhere along the way. I'm just saying there's people like this in the world. But regardless of that snare, if God is delivered, if God is delivered, broken the snare. And that don't mean that we don't need to look out for other traps. Folks, there's traps out there for the children of God, I promise you. I, I ain't saying that once you've been set free, hey, I understand that when, when the Son makes one free, is free indeed, and I praise God for that. But uh, I'm not saying that once we are made free in Jesus Christ, that we can let down our guard and not, and, and not worry about the, the, the conniving of the devil from, from there on out. There's still traps out there for the children of God. I promise you that. But our soul is taken as a bird out of the snare. The fowler's a snare is broken, and we are escaped. This would have been David writing about the Israelites, uh, talking about how so many enemies had come in so many different ways. We've read about the people that were rising up in anger against the Jews. We've read about, about the floods that would come their ways. We've read about all of these things throughout these eight verses of this song. And folks, I've told you that the church is, is in the same danger that Israel was in. We, we have the same types of people against us, people that hate us, and they have the same uh, thing against us and they have the same motives against us as the people had against Israel here but the snare uh, but God has removed the snare he has freed us from the snare he has broken the snare and we are escaped we are presently escaped from the snare of the fowler hallelujah Amen. from what I understand in the scripture it will ever be that way our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Notice here, David, he doesn't say it was because I was king. David was king. David was a fine king for the most part. We all know, know David's mess ups and sins and everything else. But for the most part, David, hey, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Can I be described like that? Can you be described like that? We can't look down our noses at David because of the sins that, uh, that he committed that we know about in the scripture. Hey, you turn to 1 Kings chapter 15 and you can read in there that everything that David did up to the point of his sin with Uriah, everything that he did was perfect in the eyes of God. Read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. 1 Kings chapter 15. 
Can I say that? Can I say that? Absolutely not. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And folks, just as it was for David, our help is in that same name. And our help is in that same Lord. And it's, and it's in that same name and that same Lord for the same reasons that it was David. He is the Lord that made heaven and made earth. Why would we worry about the floods when they come our way? Why would we, uh, when God is the very one that creates the waters, God is the very one that created uh, the, the things that we're reading about here. Why would we worry about the anger of Almighty Man, or, or, or of God? when Almighty God has created the men that we're talking about being angry with us and that David was talking about being angry with the Israelites. Why would we worry about any of these things if it had not been the Lord who was on our side? We would have reason to worry about these things. But the Lord has been on our side. The Lord is currently on our side. And from what I understand in my scripture, the Lord will ever be on my side. Hallelujah. Take these things to heart. Sleep well with these things. Ponder on them. And I promise you, just as it did David here, and just as it did the people, I'm sure, that sung this song and that have read this song since, let it encourage you. Let it produce praise in your own life, knowing that these people suffered. These people went through trials. You think about these the Israelites that we've been talking about here. You think about how God and the great deliverance that he performed for them, bringing them out of Egypt, bringing them to the Red Sea. But folks, that was, they, they reached the end of themselves there. Yes, they were worried. Yes, they were saying, yes, they, they were already crying to Moses at that point. It was already one, although God had promised, I will deliver you. But that was the end of themselves. They could do nothing more. And folks, when God brought us to the end of ourselves, that is when we could see our true need for God. And when they were standing there on the edge of the Red Sea, what did Moses say? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Quit moving about and quit your worrying. Quit everything that's on your mind. Get everything out of your mind, everything that's hindering uh, whatever it is that you might think about God. And you see the salvation of this God that has promised salvation for his people. You see the salvation of the Lord. And the walls or the sea, the Red Sea, became as walls on either side, walls of water. But folks, even at that point, the Israelites still had to make their way through that Red Sea. It's not that God just parted it and then picked them up and set them on the other side. Hey, God has made ways for, or has made a way through Jesus Christ that people can be saved. But that is the only way that anyone will ever be saved. We were talking about this snare was broken just a little while ago. We were talking about this. Hey, folks, the Red Sea was was opened up for these Israelites but they still had to make their way through the Red Sea to the other side and when they got over there the waters come upon the enemy of the people of God these same waters that I'm sure Pharaoh and his army thought they're crazy for going in there they're crazy for doing this those same waters protected them on either side God was protecting them on the back side and got them through to the other side. But when Pharaoh and his army started through, the waters came down. Folks, you remember that. You remember, even though God parted the waters, even though God got them out of Egypt, 
and got them out of Egypt with much substance. It wasn't even theirs. Not that they stole it. But it wasn't even theirs. God done all these things for his people. When he got them to the Red Sea and he parted it, they still had to do their part. They still had to make the choice to go through and get to the other side. Most even though the snare is broken, we might cry out to God in our affliction and in our pain and in our suffering, and God will make a way out for us. God will tear a hole in that net. God will lift the box up off of us. God will lift the shell up off of us. But it's still up to us to move, to do something at that point. It's still up to us. Keep that all in mind. That's tonight's message. God bless you all. I appreciate your attention.